0: yeah so your name's emily guerra okay and i'm sensing some latino hispanic heritage there
1: yep yep i am born and raised in los angeles but my dad and his family is from mexico so i am half hispanic and i did not grow up speaking spanish unfortunately but i've been trying to teach myself spanish ever since i was around 14 so i'm not too bad although i'm not fluent (laughs)
0: No, that's awesome it's all, i mean i'm I'm on the same boat i mean i was born and raised here in florida and i speak i guess what they call pocho i don't know if you're familiar with that
2: yeah
0: totally yeah yeah so that's kind of that's kind of my vibe. so don't worry i'm not going to put you to a spanish test here
2: we're
0: going to have a conversation in little fashioned english but um so go, going to your profile one thing I noticed was that, well, the first thing I noticed was like, is this AOC on here? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>, You really <laughs> have to you on know, this AOC. I don't know if you've ever had that, that said before.
1: I actually have not, but I'm honestly honored you that you so, so. <laughs> and said that. No, like, <laughs> thank you. no I, I, said, I, I did it for like
0: so half so a funny. second. Oh, really? There you go. I mean, that was a 50-50 depending on your politics.
1: You know, no, like, right? Yeah. So, so. Not either way
0: yeah he would have ended the podcast it would have didn't you know we're done here,
1: but you know okay, so everything. we're on the same page
0: but, um, yeah yeah, it's on the same page, but yeah w- when I first saw it, I was just like you know it's it's enthusiastic, you just like going through the screen and then doing research obviously um on your Instagram, you have the same flow of kind of like going through the screen at the person at the person like mm-hmm. you and your content, and it was to me it was so it was so appeasing because it was just very authentic, and I mean. Not to get too hippie here, but your name, the productivity flow, you know, the productivity flow, I just felt like it was very, like, that rhythm was just, like, like being productive and flowing into it. Is that something that you did knowingly? Or, I mean, is it just, it's your makeup as a person, you know, where it's just, like, productivity flowing with
2: energy,
1: you know? know? I, thank you so much. Like, that, those compliments mean the world to me because that was honestly my whole goal with social media and my mm-hmm. brand was to really both show who I am as a person and who I naturally just my energy and I love just like, I've always loved productivity and mental health and combining the two. It's just who I am as a person. And so when I created the productivity flow, I really wanted to create a brand that embodied that. And so I Did my best to make like my website actually flow and the text flow and all wavy and fun and just aesthetically pleasing, of course. But really, it's all about just connecting productivity and mental health together into one atmosphere because that's just so not commonly done. And so that's what I really try to do with my content and why I do try to speak to the audience and to you specifically because everything i want to share i always have my audience in mind
0: but, um you always wanted to be a wedding planner so mm-hmm. being a kid did you like watch the disney movies and all this and that and the the fairy tale romance also- was it? like what what makes a kid a woman be a wedding planner
1: you know that is so my mom and i were actually just talking about this and how funny it is it was that show say yes to the dress I don't know it. No, I, I didn't okay. expect you to, honestly. It was a t- TLC show. I, it might still be going on. I honestly don't know. I don't have people anymore. But they- it does, right? It was, yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. It was this wedding dress store in New York, and brides would go and try on the dress until they found the one and wanted to say yes to the dress. And just that whole watching that show, being obsessed with it, I think is really what kickstarted my desire to become a wedding planner. And then as I started actually doing weddings and taking on internships, both in high school and in college, I fell in love with it for the productivity aspect of it. And I love how organized and systematic it always was. And it really united organizational skills along with aesthetics and interpersonal skills. By communicating like with the bride and handling their best day, and also handling bridezillas if you ever came across those, and just bridezilla. Go kind of
2: into that.
0: Don't, what is a bridezilla? Is that like I can I can guess it, but break it
1: down. <laughs> bridezilla. Okay. The bridezilla is like I think the name comes from a combination of like Godzilla and bride. So just a, one who is a little crazy and wants it her way or the highway. And honestly, I really shouldn't even be using that term because wedding planning is so stressful for the bride. And is so and everybody handles stress differently. So I think high school me was a little less averse with handling those bride than I would be today. But um, I'm no longer handling them. I ended up no longer... Um, I stopped wedding planning when COVID hit and there were no more weddings happening around. So I decided to pivot and do some social media Freelancing and through that journey is how I ended up starting the productivity
0: club. So, so going back to, to wedding, it's a good fun, but I mean, what bride isn't stressed? Like like what bride is exactly. like, you know, so that's something that I think about. So like you as a wedding planner, you have to be very patient and very capable of carrying the stress, right? Because like who isn't stressed mm-hmm. during the wedding? I mean, if the guy mm-hmm. if the guy is not stressed, that's also kind of like you want the guy to be a little stressed the groom <laughs> he should be invested right he should be invested in it right he, I mean, he invested
1: life, a lot of money so yeah
0: right he should be you know he shouldn't just be like laissez faire about it he should be you know somewhat you know just it. a little bit so so you as a wedding kind of, how do you like do you, how do you carry the weight of all of that of everyone the in-laws you know it's just it's something that the, the concept of a wedding people always say um they always say i'm not gonna do a big wedding i'm just gonna save money and not do a big mm-hmm. wedding but then they start inviting people, and before you know it, it's a mm-hmm. party because they want
1: to invite some mm-hmm. people. And
0: like, how do you manage that as a wedding planner? Do you have other people assisting you? Like, how does that work? As yeah. a plan?
1: So, wedding planners definitely have teams um, of their choosing, and typically it's a smaller team. What really helps a wedding planner deal with those kind of situations is two things. Firstly having systems and an organization and a process for everything. So a wedding planner always has a list of vendors that they work with. They always have like a list of florists that they work with. And so they have like an arsenal that they use and they can always refer to their arsenal and refer to those systems that they've used in the past and the relationships that they've developed. So that's one part of it. And then another part of it is also having confidence in those systems and having trust in those relationships that the vendors will follow through, that nothing will see through the cracks when you handle or hand anything off to your team and those kind of things. So it's really just about building that foundation as a wedding planner before you even take on a bride. I think that to me is the key. And what I loved the most about it which is why it's honestly no surprise that I ended up productivity coaching because it was like, what exactly? Because when I, any wedding planning team I was on, I was always in charge of creating the workflows, creating the systems, making sure everything was organized because it was just my bread and butter. It, it gets me excited to organize and to do that kind of stuff, which is so rare. Not <laughs> so many people love it the way I do. So. Well,
0: you're the elementary kid in class, you know, that that's like very organized and everything is, you know, listed and, is the line leader. I don't know if you had those when you were in school, but like, you know, is in charge of these things, right? So, so that being said, like you said, you hit the nail on the head, like how you transitioned from wedding planning to then having the productivity flow. So did also that, did that also make you good at like banter? Like if you last minute you need like help with something, you know who to call and be like, come on, I got you this time. You know, next time I got you so-and-so like favor for a favor that made you good at these kind of things.
1: So I definitely was a lot better about it when I was wedding planning. And I think COVID instilled a lot of social anxiety within me and made it a little, made, I felt a little bit more challenged in reaching out to others in an industry that was not wedding planning because I always did wedding planning and was so used to that industry that when I started freelancing for myself and completely left wedding planning, I felt so new And so uncertain that I kind of convinced myself anyone I knew in the wedding planning world, like could not help me, even though that's probably not true. Um, And so I definitely went through this phase of not really asking for help, but definitely needing help. And I talked a lot with my therapist about it. I'm super open about mental health therapy, and I love the therapist. And she was really just telling me that I need to be a little bit channeling that, wedding planner energy that i had and use it more to put myself out there and to network and to ask for these favors and also to offer value to other people in this new arena that i'm in and to show other people like hey i know you used to only as a wedding planner but this is what i'm doing now check it out and that transition has been a learning curve for sure but it's also made me a lot more confident in what I am offering now, which is something I can say now, but I don't think I would have said even six months ago.
0: That it's all encompassing. Like you can utilize these through of, you know, whatever you need to do in your life, whether it be, that be dieting, whether it be um, coaching, whether it be having your schedule, you know, around your, your kids' daycare and soccer practice, all these things, being productive, it's all encompassing. <laughs> or so is that something that when you meet a client, we at first have to filter their needs to kind of be like, okay, how can we make you more productive?
1: Absolutely. I love that you said that because so many people, I think, and a big issue with the productivity, just industry in general, is that it is so focused on work and people don't realize that you can be productive yeah. outside of work and that self-care is actually very productive and that rest can mm. be productive. We're
2: cooking. The we're cooking.
1: Well, we're cooking in the cooking. Yeah. These yeah. things that we typically ignore, that we typically put off to the side in order to be productive at work. Mm. Ironic, isn't it? Like, isn't that yep. a little ironic when we take a step back and realize? And so that is my mission as a productivity life coach. I really try to help the my client understand, okay, where is it that we're having a little bit of a misunderstanding? of what productivity is, of what being productive means for you. And the way I do that is by first defining a self-care mindset and explaining that all self-care is, is giving yourself what you need to succeed. That's really the basics of it. It doesn't have to be a three-hour long morning routine. It doesn't have to be a nice dinner out that costs a lot of money. It doesn't have to be a bath. It doesn't have to be anything fancy or extra. It is the basics, like eight hours of sleep, like eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner, like those kind of things that fuel you and allow you to succeed. So that's the first thing I always do. The second thing I always do is redefine productivity. And you know, it's crazy to me. So in Britannica, the dictionary, Mm -hmm. do you want to guess what, how productivity is defined?
0: I would imagine productivity is defined as working endlessly towards something. Like, never. I mean, that's how that's how that's how I would defined it the universal definition like, just working endlessly to right. go. Mm-hmm.
1: That's very similar to how the Britannica defines it. Britannica says simply getting a lot done.
2: Mm. <laughs>
1: Something's missing from your mission. You can get a lot of the wrong stuff done. Mm -hmm. You can focus a lot on not your priorities and move your goals nowhere. And so redefining even what being productive is, is so key to understanding that you can be productive in any part of your life. And the way I define productivity is there's three pillars of productivity. Uh, First one is motivation. So you know the benefit that you're getting out of whatever it is that you're doing. The second thing is focus. So no distractions, and that means no notifications, no external distractions, but it also means no mental distractions and having your mind. So like no self-doubt, no dread, no anxiety, things like that, that prevent you from putting your best foot forward. And then the third pillar is flow, which is sustained easy effort. Now, this doesn't mean that the task itself or whatever it is that you're doing is easy. It just means that you feel easy. It feels easier to go through the motions. And so as long as you can have those three things, you can really be productive in any sense. And it's about how do I get those three things? How do I get motivation if that's what I'm missing? How do I find focus if that's what I'm missing? Where, where do I need more flow? If that's what I'm missing, and then you can put the pieces together and boom a formula
2: for productivity no no, let
0: me tell you man you you um you don't need me to tell you, but you definitely know your stuff um because it's just um the way that what you mentioned fits into, for example, the way I immediately thought about was um gym, like working out right because I work out, so I immediately thought about working out uh motivation right me focus, and then the flow part um what I always tell people when um I work out with them. Uh, or I, I train them or give them advice here and there, I would tell them, don't worry about the weight. Just worry about, you know, mm-hmm. worry about um, worry about getting the, the set right. Worry about, you know, okay. the, get, get the form. So that's the word. So flow for me is form. Getting the form right. Getting, right. Don't worry about the weight. Don't don't look at no one else. Don't look at this guy is doing this. This person's doing that. Just do your own thing and get the form right before anything. Once you get the form right, the flow is just going to be like effort. I mean, I would say it's going to be effort because you're working out. But it's gonna seem effortless, and you're, going to, you're just gonna, you know, just going to, it's just gonna, it's gonna glide. So we were saying that, and that, it was ringing in my head, like, yeah, motivation, yeah, to get there to the gym, to get motivated, and then once you're there, focus, right, no distractions, mm-hmm. no, no self doubt, self dread, uh, competing with the person or whatever, compete with the guy in the mirror. That's it, right? And then the flow, which is the form. What? So it's like, it's like everything
2: is oh like. God, yeah yeah
1: so perfectly and that was such a good example of how you can be productive outside of work and it doesn't have to be saved for a work environment it's actually for every part of your life really so and and the
0: the productive definition like you said um i mean i'm not i'm not a meathead but i mean everything i think about i mean it's it's a big part of my, my daily routine but uh being productive would be like just doing endless reps without a certain routine just doing reps to do them. I'm just, like, I go to the gym every day and, and I'm just like lifting every day. I'm just lifting every day without any rhyme or reason. Right. I'm lifting. I'm being productive, right? I'm going to the gym three hours. I'm killing myself lifting. But what am I doing? Really? That's not being productive. Like to, to your, to your just about the, the definition of productivity. Um, I mean, <laughs> about that because I did it myself too when I was a teenager. I would I would be like, people I would, I would ask me how long I've been working out. And it's like, what's well, a two-part question? I've been working out since I was a teenager, but working out correctly a couple of years. Because just doing it, like you said, being productive, going to the gym, but not really being productive. You know, not mm-hmm. doing, following the pillars of productivity, like you like you so eloquently put it. So that's something that immediately right there, you said it. It registered in my head. And yeah, you definitely know your stuff. <laughs> not that you, need, yeah. you don't need me to validate you, but it's something that immediately, you know, it ringed in my head right there.
1: I will take all the validation I can get. Let's be honest. I'm human, right? But awesome. thank you so much for saying that. And also what I really love about everything that you just said was how you were able to say, okay, flow and form are kind of the same thing. Let me adapt Emily's vocabulary to fit into my own life and to fit yeah. into what's going on for me. So I encourage any listener to also do that to see okay like maybe it's not motivation maybe intention is a better word mm. maybe it's not focus maybe it's just eliminating distractions clicks better for you you know so finding out what clicks better for you and what inspires yep. you and sticking with that
0: yeah exactly huge, you
2: did. Yeah,
0: yeah, like intent distractions a huge thing could be that could, could be envy it could be all of these things that we feel these emotions mm. anger like someone mentioned to me the other day um so very well put was that Consuming anger is like drinking poison. And you're pers- expecting the other person to die from it. No, you're you're just you're killing yourself
1: inside. but Oh, um, oh I love yeah. that way yeah. of saying it. That's a great <laughs> yeah. way to say it. Yeah. Wow! But see, you might steal. It. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, I, I stole it from her, Sarah Webb. Shout out! But um, so when you mentioned the the grind right now, as a guy from my perspective on uh, social media. We see this thing about the the alpha male grind set, right it's grinding and working and working twenty hours a day. day and that being glamorized right the hustle right it's like oh, the grinding. and and it's so crazy that like you'll see a person um like I don't know if you get this, hopefully you don't get this, but you'll see someone that someone judge you because they're working out who knows what field you know doing physical labor, and you're you and other coaches are working in a different way, doing more interpersonal coaching kind of method, mm-hmm. right? Other people and they would be like, Huh, that's not work. I'm over here breaking my back and, and breaking bricks and working twenty hours a day. And it's like, well, who's the joke on then? But it's something that society, I guess, it has brainwashed um, men in particular, I don't know about the women perspective. Maybe you can share a light on that. But it has glamorized mm-hmm. for men to kill themselves working and not really. earn, you know, not be not being paid the equal pay that they should receive, you know capitalism but it being glamorized that you may be, you may not make as much as the, the soy boy that's in the office working at twitter or whatever right the yeah. silicon valley soy boy but at least you're you're breaking your back and you're making a lot more money and you're being manly about it it's something that I see that is being pushed on, on males. I don't know if it's a warm perspective, it's similar. If there's something there, maybe you could speak on that. You
1: know, honestly, I one the so I still, even though I started productivity coaching, I also still have kept on a lot of my freelancing social media clients. And mm-hmm. one of them is in the forestry industry. And so it's really interesting how male dominated that industry is and how a lot of forestry work, of course, is manual labor. And there's very few women involved in that industry, right? And then as a coach, I'm actually also a part of a coaches community and it's 99% women. It's all women. And so it's like very interesting how there can be such diversity in my own life where I can see within my own jobs, like, okay, this force is really male dominated. The one I'm entering is very female dominated. Like what is going on here? Why is this the way? And of course, just there's a lot of societal gender stuff going on there. But if we can look at also just hustle culture, and how that has like been so different for both male and female, because I think it really has been. And then I also think it's been very different for like the physical labor industry. And then for more the, anyone who just sits on their computer, that kind of more intellectual, I guess, um, industry, because I think hustle culture is like, for the physically laborious industries are is very much exactly what you described, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the way I see it, especially within a lot of females and especially, especially within a lot of female entrepreneurs is the hustle culture is like always working. I have yeah. to get it all done in less time. And that's kind of why people are just want to be productive is to get it all done in less time to hustle, 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 to do this, to do that. And everyone kind of almost brags about, oh, I don't have time for that. Or, oh, my calendar
0: is yeah. yeah.
1: still scheduled. i wish i had the time i wish
0: i had the time to do
2: that yeah (laughs) Yeah.
1: for some reason we brag about that and it's so funny because it's like entrepreneurs became an entrepreneur for freedom Mm -hmm. to to run their own life the way that they want it and then they become a victim to this hustle culture to wanting to do more and less yes and they lose all of their freedom Mm -hmm. so they might as well just stayed in the rat race. At that point, yeah. Yeah. Like,
0: yeah. Or a hamster wheel. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's, it's,
1: exactly. Totally. So it's like, okay, how I, just, I feel like it's exactly what you've been talking about, just like on a different level where I've really seen it a lot in female entrepreneurs. And a lot of my clients are kind of stuck in that hustle culture mentality of needing to get a lot done in less time at any sacrifice, including like the sacrifice of sleep, Self-care, family time, flints, like meals even. And it's like, okay, but is that productive? Is this hustle culture worth it? What are you actually getting that is so great and so important that you couldn't get if you chose to live your life balanced?
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, and and there's a there's a rabbit hole there too because um well g- going back to to finish off on that I mean it's something that I see on okay. Instagram a lot like um whenever I go to an Instagram I see a reel or something like of this kind of nature I put on the chem suit and I go into the comment section because I already know what's gonna happen like the other day I saw a reel um it was a female and she was working in an office I don't know if she was working at home but she was at a keyboard and she had like a foot warmer. You know, she's showing like a day in her life, right? Very samr right? Touching the keyboard. And, you know, foot warmer, tea, making lists, doing this and that. And the conversation was full of guys bragging about how they're working construction 20 hours a day. And that this person probably makes more than they do. And it's like, probably do. Maybe you should turn around and ask yourself why. Why that is. Maybe You you know, instead of bashing another person, instead of reassessing their own situation, they want to bash this person. And also there's the gender difference there, too. There's the, the woman aspect, right? This woman doing quote unquote mm-hmm. his job, you know, and making lists and being organized and insulting the person over that. It's something that we see on Instagram. We see it pushed. And, and the thing about these algorithms, unfortunately, even if you don't like it, like even if you don't like the video and if you don't comment on it, the fact that you stopped and looked at it and observed it. You're going to get more of the same content so it's it's something that's like detrimental to the psyche like if, if it triggers you and you're looking at it and you, you know looking at it is going to make make the algorithm send you more videos and if you comment totally. defending the the female defending whatever perspective you want to see they are going to see more because your comments are reacting to it you're spending
1: time on it so the yeah.
0: algorithm is going to keep pushing whatever you react to
1: yeah no totally i have been lucky in a sense that i haven't received any of those kind of comments now that being said, I have a lot of friends who have, and even actually just yesterday, one of my friends who is in a fitness, she actually started a fitness brand that is all sustainable and it's super cool. And, um, she was just getting a lot of meat by some fitness male guys on Instagram and just like popping mm-hmm. off at her. So rude, so mean for no real reason. It was more just like they wanted to feel better about themselves yes and yes it's yeah. like for those kind of people i honestly just wish them well because <laughs> yeah. they need some help i mm-hmm. think in changing their perspectives but in also being willing to listen to others because when you're not listening to others when you're not hearing another person's story and when you you are judging someone based off of a 30 second reel mm-hmm you don't know the person. And it's really unfair to judge and comment. I will say a lot of my content is more about giving tips and doing things like that. So I always try to offer value and maybe that is why I haven't gotten any comments like this, but I do stray away from Twitter. And I do stray away from Instagram. I have an Instagram, but I actually haven't posted on it in a little bit. Um, but I've been really focusing on TikTok and like mm. specifically personal development TikTok. I think it's very empowering when you can yeah. search like self-care, productivity, and just have all of your search terms really run the algorithm which I have found at TikTok. That's what's happened with my feed. So that's been really nice. I also use Pinterest a lot, which is super just all about empowering and ideas and collaborating creativity. So I definitely try to be very, very picky with what social platforms I put myself on for those exact reasons to avoid just any. Unnecessary hatred out there, which is so sad. Honestly, that but that's like normal thing for a female entrepreneur to have to worry about.
2: Yeah,
0: it's something that I mean. Kudos to you. Very mature and very a very healthy choice to just be like, "Eh, I'm not going to deal with that." You know, I'm going to stick in TikTok. Like, like what I do with my Instagram. Um, the the reason I get these kind of reels is it's on my podcast, and And because of you know I'm interacting a bit more. You know, because you have to have interactions. That's where I'm getting these kind of things. On my personal Instagram, it's all Kirby. It's all uh, cats, you know, because that's what I like. That's <laughs> what I like. Win- Winnie the Pooh, um, Winnie the Pooh OG. <laughs> and also, um, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, it's like a Green Martian that went trending recently. The, the Who's That Beautiful Girl? Could she be any sweeter? I don't know if you saw that, those reels or those. No,
2: oh, I did
0: It's like, they're like Muppets. And it's like, who...
2: Funny.
0: But their characters based out of Canada apparently, and they have that's that's my jazz. So when I go to my personal um, it. Instagram, it's always adorable things, and I, I couldn't be any love
1: that rather, good. And,
0: and 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 that's what I do. I, that's what I react to. And that's all I see, right? But on the other one, because I'm trying to interact with different brands and different, you know,
2: mm-hmm. trying to
0: get some kind of insight, right, to to understand the beast, right? So I'm I'm in the belly of the beast, and that's where. I get exposed to these things more, but like you said, that's also a healthy decision to just be like, I'm just
1: going to go to TikTok and look for self development
0: and go to, um, Pinterest and just do my right. jazz. So that's also a very, a very healthy
1: choice. I think the reason I am like that is because I, number one, grew up with social media. I think Facebook came out when I was around 11. So I really grew up with like, I had Twitter in high school, and there was, you know, all the there was a lot of like Twitter bullying going on, and just like mm. I decided to delete my Twitter in high school, and I never looked back. And like when I was growing up, every everything was like, okay, let's go do like a photo shoot for our Facebook profile pictures, and like let's. Mm. I mean, it was so glamorized, and so like yeah. if you don't have X number of likes, then you're not cool. And I just really, yeah. I just really, <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah.
1: And, and so I've just never been someone who enjoys social media, which is very ironic that I ended up doing social media services as a freelancing job, but <laughs> whole other story there, mm-hmm. but it's just, so I think I have that mentality of, you know what, I'm just not going to deal with it from mm-hmm. growing up with that. And I also grew up in Los Angeles, which is notoriously a it's- judgmental city.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so- Isn't that also the influencer hotbed, right?
1: Exactly. So just having the two together, I think, kind of made me not love social media. But since I did not grow up with TikTok, since TikTok's pretty Mm -hmm. new, I feel like that is why I was drawn to using that one. Mm -hmm. And since Pinterest, I never used Pinterest until after college. So, again, I just felt really drawn to it since it just wasn't a part of my childhood, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When I was younger i guess to date myself uh do you remember myspace before you that was after (laughs) yeah so myspace that was the thing and like they they had top eights like friends list and if you you didn't if you didn't make the top eight you'd be like why am i not in the top eight and then like yeah you would have like some kind of argument like i remember this friend name and it was something happened in school i forgot what it was but it was a dumb little thing and <laughs> next thing I knew I was out of her top eight and I was like oh man and it's like it was something that it was something that you were aware of and it's like if you messed up you're out of my top eight it was something that was really yeah. it was really interesting I mean thankfully Facebook doesn't have that uh the top eight or That's all these good. things anymore
1: I do remember the thing for like at least for my whole like friend group and class growing up was poking on Facebook oh, yeah. like, like if you got a kind of poke you were you were cool, but if someone stopped poking you back, uh oh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Because you had to pull back. Yes, yes, I do. That
1: was the whole like, Ooh. Yeah. am I getting poked today? Yeah, I mean, but
0: poking—what made poking so desirable? Right, poking is not uh, real life. Like poking.
1: Yeah, right? actually, don't poke me, please. Yeah, yeah, I just no, it's me. meaning it's the yeah. meaning that we put onto it you know
0: yeah and also on myspace we used to do a thing called like showing love i don't remember that we used to go to the person's know. wall post well i think i'm older than you but we'll go to a wall post and we'd be like just talking about to show love and like someone showed you love you when you came before you had to show love to everyone that showed you love back because if you didn't they would think that you hate them now and you would have to find a personal picture for them uh whether that be like a low rider if the person is into like a mexican culture and like a low rider uh, saying we're sparking letters, just stopping by your prayers to show you love, little homie. And you had to find these things for every specific person. It was such a task. But if you didn't do it, I guess you didn't put in the effort and you didn't value them like they valued you. It, it, it was something that I guess as humans, we're 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 primates, and, and whatever is invented, we're going to find a way to make sure to see who's popular, yeah, partner,
1: so right? We compare. Yes. We, yes. That is such a natural human reaction which is really unfortunate honestly yeah
2: (laughs) yeah our
1: natural way of like looking at other people is to compare and you really do have to train yourself to like catch yourself when you're in that self-talk when you are like comparing yourself to someone else and when you are either whether it's judging gossiping or maybe even like being a little jealous or doubtful of yourself or whatever it may be like that's the moment when you have to be like okay Is this actually me, or is this just like my self-talk popping off? Yes, yes. Really believe this? Like (laughs) question this, and like when you can like catch yourself in the moment and actually ask yourself, like, "Huh, okay, let me think about this. I have a choice here. What choice do I want to make?" And then make the choice that fits best with who you want to be yes that's honestly like the key to like overcoming that comparisonitis and all of those lingering negative emotions that we can have with it
0: man talk that talk because um what what i get recently um from people that are trying to help me i mean and i appreciate the help what i get is advice on on how to be more um how to get into the the algorithm right um make your make your make your videos um shorter right do this and that make it shorter um have a hook right do something have loops and these people i guess they do work but it's not authentic to myself i i'm a i'm a podcaster right? I'm, I, I I ramble i can't make a, a video of seconds you know it's it's
1: a lot of podcasts. yeah I
0: do that and there's no, something more
1: I so agree with you yeah i so like i've heard that too where like you need your tiktoks need a hook you have to grab someone's attention mm-hmm. and you have to, so like actually a couple months ago i really wasn't worrying about that i was just like recording however long the video ended up because however long it ended up whatever as long as i was creating content and putting it out there and then i started getting a lot of feedback of like you need hooks you need mm-hmm. quality actions you need blah blah, blah. i'm like
2: to action yes i don't, always, yes. Want,
1: I don't yeah. always want a call to action i just want to kind of share value what's wrong with that like, like
2: <laughs> yes. why can't
1: i just share like yeah. why do i always need a call to action like that to me is just like well i'm a coach like not everyone's gonna want to be coached but everyone's gonna want some tips so like i don't know so i kind of tried to do the hooks do all the things mm-hmm. but honestly, I got less views, I got less comments. I got just less engagement overall. So I mm. scrapped it, went back to doing what I was doing and I started getting more. And I think really what people want is authenticity, particularly from other people. Yes. And when you just like hear a voice and you're not like a big company, like sure these mm. tactics may work for companies, where there is no face to a brand, that makes sense. But when it's someone like you and like me, where we are the brand, this like our yes. space, our opinions, like is the content, they don't really want that marketing salesy type of content. They want authenticity. And I've really had to learn that through trial and error the past couple of months. But I think even just like when we started our own conversation, like you looked at my social media and you said I was authentic, and so that to me was like, oh my god, I'm hitting my goal because that's like yeah. all I'm trying to do is just share authenticity, and I mm-hmm. have noticed just like a little uptick in all the metrics, although I really don't even look at the metrics to be. Yeah, to yeah.
0: I mean,
2: can can't, can't really assess about
0: them exactly what happened when it happens you know and whoever comes into your tent and is joined your tribe and your father i mean that's the people you want people who like you for exactly. out there. and it's something that i i heard it somewhere where it's like everyone the the machine whatever it may be almost in every industry the machine tries to make you vanilla right just just bland and but then once you're bland you're just like everyone else and nothing stands out mm-hmm. you know you become exactly. it like, almost like a monotone thing so that's something that like i like I got from your from your thing, you know you weren't taking yourself like too serious, right I mean, and it didn't if anything, it added value to the advice because it was very authentic uh, I think the one I saw was um uh, if you're stressed out, five ways to like you know uh breathe and and not be stressed out, and you were like this happens to me five t- like five times a day, and you're it's like a quick cut to you um like screaming and a quick cut back to like being normal and like it was something that it just it, it's there, and it's like, oh man, this person is real it's like it's authentic, it's not like very like no toes. It's not like I have all the answers now listening to me. It was like, no, I get stressed out too. I freak out too, you know, and this is how yeah. I, I handle it and how I deal with it. It's something that immediately just like, there's your hook. If you talk about hooks, that, there's a hook right there. I'm not
1: right? Exactly. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Honestly, that video was also just like, so I literally just recorded how I was feeling. I was like, I don't like, I can't lose it right now. And so I've, I've been trying to just like put my phone up and like in those moments where I'm like, oh, this would be a good tip, like record. And that has been a shift because I think as a woman, I was really self-conscious about posting on social media and even just, like joining podcast episodes without wearing makeup and without making sure that my hair was done and not putting my contacts in. And just like really making sure I was super camera ready. But then I realized, okay, I hate makeup personally. I've never been one that enjoys putting it on. I am someone who rotates between my four pairs of sweatpants throughout the entire week. And I have like my same three sweaters. That I, like, I'm very simple in that sense. I'm very easy. I like my routine, it helps with my decision fatigue. So I do it for a reason. And so I was kind of feeling like, well, if I wear makeup, I bet I would get like more views or whatever. And then I had to stop myself and be like, all right, Emily, is this the kind of brand that I want to be? Like, do I want to show other self-employed females that they have to be wearing makeup on camera too? Like, no, that's not who I am. That's not what I want to show and value. And so, like, that shift for me was really big because then it allowed me to just relax and be myself a lot more. And just like mm. hit record and not really worry about like who cares how many likes it gets, who cares how many comments, just post some value and you are good to go. And that's been my mentality. And I definitely need to post more. I want to post more. Mm. I just I'm wearing so many hats at the moment that I find it a little challenging, but we mm. will get there.
0: No, but but to 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 your aesthetic or to your your outfit and all your sweaters and it, to me, it's very flowy it's like it's it's your brand it's the flow right it's like um uh great bruce lee said be water you know you want to flow like water that way you can be ever flowing and flowing to whatever surrounding your structure you find yourself in like water does and adapt and that's something that from your aesthetic, it's very to me it's very flow it's very flowy and and the way you're talking in your hands, it's something that it's like, okay, this person, yeah. It, it, yeah, yeah. It's almost like this person is genuine and this is really how they grew up and they really, this is their mantra. You know, it's something that adds that authenticity. So it's something that the flowing, the product flow.
1: You know, when I thought of the productivity flow as like a name, the moment I thought of it, I was like, oh, that's mm-hmm. the one. That's it. I don't know. what It's yeah. just like, okay, like flow. Like I just, I feel like that really embodies everything I'm trying to show and like, it's good for a brand. And so I am so happy that you have really picked it up and like yeah. can tell that it's been my kind of like branding mission. That makes me so happy. So fulfilled. Thank you for sharing. you really, really- Yeah, yeah
0: yeah because flowing you want to flow you want to roll with the punches you want to flow it's, if if you say the 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 uh, what i get from the productivity flow from the name and from you know the the brand itself is that you're flowing and you're adapting to the situation right to whatever mm-hmm. comes your way cuz if you say the productivity plan it's like okay i'm going to follow the plan but what happens when, so- when something doesn't go to plan i'm going to panic like first. What do I do now? You know, the fact that it's a flow, flow, roll with the punches, flow with it, go with it. Okay, this happened now. We're going to do this, that flow. That's, that's something Mm -hmm. I think of. And I don't know if that was intentional. It was subconscious. Absolutely. But it's something that when there's a plan there, when it's okay, follow these rules and you would be successful. It becomes very uh, snake oil salesman. Like right, mm-hmm. the fact that. Oh, I'm I'm perfect. I know everything. I'm gonna coach you, and you're gonna make a million bucks in six months. No, it's the productivity flow, right? It's something that you have to. That how I see it is flowing with the punches, rolling with the punches, and adapting. That's how I take. It.
1: I love it. I love that so much because really, what my goal was. to I feel like I said this earlier too. Was really just to unite mental health, mindset, and being productive. And you can't really have flow. You can't be in the flow. Feel like you're in the flow without first kind of priming your mindset. And a lot of people try to skip over that part and then they're not productive and they blame some external reason for why they're not productive and never really handle the internal and kind of go through life. Like I would bet a lot of people have gone through life without ever really being truly productive because they have just been so either focused on other people's priorities, not focused on your own mindset, letting all of these internal blocks prevent you from putting your best foot forward. And that's really what I've been trying to help other women like me understand and see so that way they can reach their fullest potential and they don't have to be in their own way anymore, whether that's boosting productivity or just getting unstuck in life in general. I think that's really my overall mission.
0: Yeah, did you feel like covid um, for better or for worse, COVID it it brought a it brought mental health to the forefront. Obviously,
1: totally kind of
0: out of necessity because you know it did test a lot of people. But do you feel like that's something that when you put your product, your your productivity flow, and your 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 plan into motion, that's something that you learned out of necessity because of COVID? I would imagine you were quarantined like everyone else.
1: Definitely quarantined like everyone else. I will say, I don't think COVID was my aha, my aha moment with mental health. I actually grew up going to therapy every week, ever since I was around nine years old. Um, so my parents got divorced when I was younger. And they put me in therapy to help with the transition and all the family dynamics. And I feel very lucky that they did that because I therefore, was I was raised with an understanding of mental health and an mm-hmm. understanding of you know why people acted the way they did because then I would bring it to my therapist and say like why is this happening why are they telling me this why are they reacting this way and she would let me know why and i would be like oh okay, well that makes sense now <laughs> like now I understand it and so having that just ability to have a therapist my whole life has been one of the luckiest things ever and because of that i have always brought mental health into whatever i do it's just really been a part of who i am as a person and what i believe that like fundamentally um i strongly believe that every person in the world could benefit from therapy no matter who you are, even therapists. And I also strongly believe that I will never not be in because I think it's just yeah. so incredibly helpful. I am so yeah. helpful in changes and transitions and in understanding yourself and how to make, always just put your best forward. That really is kind of everyone's goal. But we don't maybe say it in that way. But that's really what we want to be doing: is putting our best foot forward all of the time. And so, mental health and therapy definitely was a key key component in helping me transition out of wedding planning when COVID happened, mm-hmm. and helping me understand that I have a choice that I could either wait for lockdown to end. I think I was at month like four, five, roughly when I was finally made the choice to pivot and to start just freelancing out social media services. Um, But I don't think if I had therapy or if I had a mental health understanding of why I felt so stuck, why I felt so much dread and anger towards Mm -hmm. the world and why I was just in such a bad mental space without my foundational understanding, I may not have gotten out of it as quickly as I did. And it may not have started a business out of it like I did. Yeah. So I'm very grateful for my understanding. And I think COVID gave me the room to apply it and the room to really put into practice what I've been learning a lot of my life. And to kind of, it was kind of a test for me, you know, like, all right, yeah. we're going to take something away from you. How are you going to handle it? And I think I mm. handled it. Looking back, I'm very grateful for the way I think. So,
0: yeah, well, COVID made you literally stop, right? It made you stop. And- yeah. Reassess. and just made you stop and your tracks but um, yeah, because you mentioned that you were in your bio that you've been in therapy for ten for over a decade, and True. I heard that and I was like, wait, so how old is she? Like, you know, she looks really good, range, good job, you know, good, good genetics. That's what's up. It makes two of us, because I get told all the time I look twenty five and I'm in my thirties. But it's something that when when um every time every time I think about a child being in therapy or needing therapy, it's usually. Like on shows or whatever, because it's like a detective talking to them about witnessing a crime, right? And and they're trying mm. to so talk about like crayons or something for the kids who draw with to make the kids mm-hmm. it's like a, it's like a couch it's not a formal interrogation room but being nine years old and your parents being proactive about that like did, did you ever talk to them about that like about what made them like did they prioritize mental health before that like what made them be like okay let's take it to a therapist at nine years old
1: so i think it was really my mom who pushed it She had not been in therapy herself yet, but she was going into it herself at the time as a result of her and my dad's divorce. And so because she was going into it and because she was so open-minded about it for herself, It allowed me to be open-minded. She really provided an example for me, you know? So I definitely have thanked my mom and been like, what made you put me in? Like no one my age was in therapy. No one really was kind of, it was very like, ooh, you're in therapy. What's wrong with you? Like, why are you in therapy? Like, mm," kind of mentality about it. And so I give her so much props for even doing it for even putting me in therapy and making sure that I always go. Um, and she just said that she, something new, she just like something in her gut was telling her, like, you know, your dad and I were getting separated. Like you weren't going to have the life that you always had. Like, I don't, you mm. didn't know how to handle my own change. How could I handle your change too? Like you yeah. needed a professional's help. And I was like, that's mm. very honest. That's very empowering to say like hey i need help and i'm okay with getting it and i am okay oh, with helping my daughter get it like that's really cool and something that i am just so proud of my mom for
0: <laughs> yeah that's awesome that's awesome also from from our from our background um that's not something that our culture really understands right
1: it really totally. requires
0: mental health the way it does it kind of just buries it deep inside and don't talk about it just kind of get over it but how would you uh-huh. continue sorry I mean, that's just something I really want to change. Yeah, help people not it yeah.
1: anymore. Yes. You
0: know? yes, exactly, exactly. Because it's it's buried oftentimes with vices, right? With with uh, alcohol, yeah. with other things, and it's just it's not a good combination. But um, how would you go about? Like, like I have friends who are divorced. What would be? Would you? basically say the child should be in therapy because of just in general, the child should do therapy because we said everyone should get therapy at one point.
1: Well, I strongly believe everybody should get therapy. Um, I think it also very much, you know, depends on the family. I think my parents went through a very bitter divorce and it was not easy and they did not like each other. And it was not a it was just a bitter environment. And I think that played a role into why my mom knew that I needed a little bit more help because she couldn't necessarily provide it at the time. Mm. Um, so it definitely depends on like the parents and like and the, the
2: parents work. Together. Yeah.
1: Are they willing to work together? Are they willing, you know, a lot of divorce, they're getting divorced for a reason. So a lot of times the parents are not willing to work together. And in those times, I strongly suggest a therapist mm. just so that way the kid understands it's not the kid's fault. And the kid can see that like your parents are human. They're not perfect. They make mistakes. Let's understand why they got divorced. Let's understand what mistakes were made on both sides. So that way, when the day comes, you won't repeat those mistakes. And in order to like just have an outside, a third party who is not in your family, who is not at the dinner table with you, but who is able to objectively look at your situation and help you you know decide what the right or wrong path for you is in your personal situation is priceless it's re- It's really priceless, especially when you're at such a young age, and your yep. brain is in that point of development when you're a sponge, you soak in everything, and that's everything negative and everything positive. So a divorce can be really negative. it's just mm-hmm. the nature of it, and why not? bring a positive element into the
0: kid's life you know yeah yeah obviously i'm i'm not a parent and i'm not divorced i don't go through these things but it's something that i guess um the parents would have to decide they would have to come to a consensus depending like you said depending on how how ugly the divorce was how what preceded it uh how young the child is right also
1: there's so many factors exactly
0: exactly. yeah because uh far far both i'm not going to be the one to tell someone how to raise their child it's just something that yeah <laughs> to me because nine years old and being therapy it's something that it's like um it's something that it's really unique it's something that i don't think I would...
1: really unique.
0: yeah do you remember yeah. do you remember uh-huh. oh yeah mm-hmm.
1: totally i totally remember it and i remember hating it at first I really did not want to go. Um, I definitely hid the fact that I went from my friends for years. Mm -hmm. I didn't tell anybody that I was really in therapy until high school. And in high school was when I started being more comfortable about sharing it. And I think there was kind of just a point where I said to myself, like, I'm done hiding. Like Mm -hmm. I enjoy, it was also a point where I actually started enjoying therapy. I shopped around for a new therapist, found one I really, really clicked with, and it started feeling really good. And so when I was like, why am I hiding this? Like, why am I ashamed of this? Like, this is helping me. This is stupid to be ashamed of. Like, I don't want to be hiding something that's helping me. Um, And it was just like an internal decision to just, okay, I'm just going to talk about it. Like I would anything else. It's just, it's a part of life that we all experience, but. Not everybody gets help for it. And so if I shared the fact that I get help for it, maybe it'll inspire other people to get help too.
0: See, I think I remember seeing one of these uh cheesy I don't know if you remember uh, Mujer Casa de la vida Real. I don't know if you remember saw that. <laughs> It's like very self operish. I remember one time someone had to go to therapy and it was like the insinuation was that they were crazy
2: Yeah, going to therapy. Mm-hmm.
0: Like it was something wrong with your mind. You know, you're like, it, it was like a
2: totally, like, yeah. booty
0: And it's, it's so crazy to see to see that that different perspective. And like you said, I mean, being in high school and being in, it's 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 brutal. Um, Like you said. Yeah. You get targeted for standing out, so I could see how you wouldn't want to expose that information. Because even and from my perspective, um, I was always a little nerd, and I would, I would read things. I would, I would enjoy things that someone from my background usually doesn't enjoy, I guess, doesn't nerd out about mm-hmm. these things. And I would always be like, I would feel like the need to kind of not reveal these things, kind of tuck it under totally. and code switch. I right. code switch when I was with, with, with the homeboys. You know, talk a certain way, dress a certain way, carry myself a certain way. Because you know, if you, if you, you know, it's almost like you get punished for flourishing. Right, when you're younger.
1: No, totally. And I think there's also kind of a mentality of fitting in. And if you're not doing what everyone else is doing, then you're just a target. And you never <laughs> want to be a target. Right? <laughs> you always Mm. want to protect yourself from doing that. And so we allow Mm. ourselves to dim ourselves down Mm. in order to prevent being a target. It's so human. And I think even at just high school is rough. I definitely went through my fair share of situations where I just really hated high school, really did not enjoy my time. But looking back, built some character
0: it did right it did it did it, it, it it's funny it's funny because uh high school it's rough man and like it's funny because um it's such a cliche but it's true you know high school we always see people who kind of uh peak early as they say right mm-hmm. in high school right and, and then the people who are getting picked on or whatever or were the butt of the joke kind of peak later you know peak later without, totally. without life but it's something that uh to your point it's a i think it's a japanese proverb or at least i I saw it on tokyo drift out of all movies but fast and furious like a drift about the nail that sticks out gets hammered twice you know so it's like yeah, yeah you're sticking out you get get hammered again you know yeah. if you're sticking out you know so it's something that uh but going back to another movie because i saw I, i'm I'm am a i'm a, a psychopedia of movies i saw one of your instagrams about like um belly breathing right yeah. and i connected that with i don't know if i've never seen it the hulk the incredible hulk
1: 2009
0: yeah. uh, yeah, it's getting
1: Marvel.
0: I've seen okay. every one. The every Hoax. Oh, I awesome. Okay, so you, Marvel. <laughs> okay, so it's one of the first. uh It's one of the first hoax. It's the one with Edward Norton. That one. But in the beginning, he's like breathing, and the guy's like slapping him, and he's trying to breathe with his belly. Right? He's moving his belly to breathe to control his like heart rate and like his exactly, Is that something? That's exactly right. what I'm talking about. Oh
1: my god! What a good memory. Firstly, we never have remembered that without your description. I'm very impressed that you, wow, great memory. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's exactly what belly breathing is. Mm -hmm. We so naturally breathe with our chest, like when we get anxious and doing so, just scientifically, the way that our bodies work, it shortens the breath and it lets Mm -hmm. you take in less oxygen, like literally less oxygen. Mm -hmm. So it makes it harder to breathe, which then makes us more anxious which then makes us go like even more and it's, yeah. it's like a cycle I And mean, that's that's yeah,
0: it's a paradox
1: yeah. I mean, totally. yeah 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 like, like when you're anxious and you like have your hands like they get all shaky if you're really nervous or if mm-hmm. you start sweating and your palms get a little like clammy like these are all signs that it's time for some belly breathing time to mm-hmm. calm down your nervous system a little bit and all you do is just put your hands on your belly for like beginners to make sure that you're pushing your belly out and not your chest, but uh, you just breathe in, push your belly out, hold it for three seconds, breathe out, hold it again at the bottom for three seconds, and then do that cycle a couple of times. And it literally, you can feel your body relaxed and like loosen up and mm-hmm. breathing gets easier and easier. And then suddenly you can think again. And suddenly like your thoughts are starting to, you can control them a little bit more and you can slow down and you can reorient yourself, get a clearer mind and then continue whatever it is that you were trying to do, but just relaxed with your, I'm going to say it again, with your best foot forward.
0: Oh, yeah! so is that something that you would do like? when it's time to like meditate or just something when you're feeling overwhelmed and just like stopping to catch your breath and you would
1: do these. I things. do it when I'm feeling so overwhelmed. I honestly did it right before this podcast to kind of as like a mini meditation. I Great. personally meditate every morning for like 15, 20 minutes um, just to start my day um, more to start my work day on the weekends. It's to start my day, but during work days, I do it like at my desk, just start my work day to bring that calmness into my day. Um, But then whenever I'm like hopping into a meeting or a podcast or I'm just doing something that involves talking and like communicating with other people, I will always Mm -hmm. do the belly breathing kind of just to calm myself down. And I think it stems from getting a little bit of social anxiety due to COVID and Same. staying indoors and having to release that social anxiety mm-hmm. it helps me to like okay i don't need to be anxious right now like that's kind of silly to be anxious now that i have calmed mm-hmm. down and my mind's no longer racing i yeah. see that so i'm going to continue moving forward very calmly and confidently and it's just like a good little trick mm-hmm. to bring you back to the moment
0: it's funny because uh, i mean i don't know if anyone does it but I, I me too like whenever i'm about to go live i gotta just try to breathe um mm-hmm. there's, i don't think there's a method to the madness just yet i should develop a method and now I, I like that you have your method down That's like your routine productivity flow um but it's something that i should develop because i do find myself finding some looking for some way of reaching some kind of um cathartic state before i start broadcasting or having a conversation with someone that's a, a relative stranger right so it's something that either it's breathing or music whatever i'm feeling that day just kind of just on myself and it's okay, good, cool relax, and that's cool. Yeah, exactly. And then when it starts flowing, you're good, you know. And it's, it's and I, I have go- I have good energy naturally. I just do. So it's something that you know I, I'm a boomer at heart. You know, like like I've said it many times before. When I'm especially my my sister, I, I have to embarrass her. I have to talk to people,
2: the <laughs>
0: workers. I have to compliment them and you know make jokes and make uh dad jokes, even though I'm not a dad yet. You know, and do all these dumb things, and it's like it's not like I'm I'm anxious, but something about when it's time to record, you know, it's okay. It's like okay, relax, do this, breathe, song, <laughs> book, find your spirit animal. All these things, right? <laughs> it's something yeah. that I just gotta. <laughs> okay. okay, okay, we're good to go. So it's funny to to hear that the methodology that you have structured, and it's cool that you have it structured. It's something where you, it's like your go to thing, and I, I like that because, like, to me, the only thing I could think about is um, breathing. But like, there's no method to it. I don't know what you would call that when there's not structured yet. It's just freelancing meditation, or what's what? What
2: would you? I like?
1: oh, don't you like label it. It's like maybe, maybe meditation. meditation. Um, um, I don't think you I don't think you label it. Label I, it. Think, I, I think, think it. I, I think your your and your thing, your thing. Like there's like there's, there's like a day, day and day when you're like you did like something. You and You're like oh oh that that felt good. Like that that was I want to do that again. You know, and when you have that feeling listen to it, it stick to it, it and then continue, continue doing it because a, a lot of, of times time you'll be like oh yeah, oh, yeah that's or like oh yeah that one time i did that but that was nice but oh i'm to too busy or and, and don't have time. time and we get back into that whole cycle um mm-hmm. so just like remembering okay what felt good like what calmed me down what empowered me like does that let's make that into a little couple minute routine why not a little ritual and that's really what like which are all about empowering you and just giving you a little snippet that can push you forward. I think a good breathing technique that I will use if I just can't focus, like if I'm trying to work on something, but my mind is going somewhere else or if there's a lot of noise around or whatever, I will stare at some random thing like my in case, for example, and put it in front of mm-hmm. me and stare at it and count my breathing and i always count like breathe in is one breathe out is two three four up to ten and then i'll restart and i'll do that three or four times and that typically helps me like okay now that i've been staring at this focusing on my breath and counting like yeah i kind of trained my brain a little bit to calm down and to focus so now I can focus on what it is that I actually have to do, and it's been like a great trick for me to just
2: mm-hmm.
1: kind of force force in some focus, force yeah. in the, the force out those distractions that are going on yeah. in my head.
0: Yeah, because uh, for disclosure, um, your video when you were breathing, it's something that I watched and I, I tried myself, and, and I did feel calibrated after it. And it was something that thanks, mm-hmm. thanks for thanks for sharing that with social media. You know, it's mm-hmm. even. Yeah, yeah yeah your
2: content okay.
1: so I'm, just, I'm writing it down because i have another video that i'm totally going to send you yep so i wanted to write it down before i forgot well, thank you oh, so yeah
0: much. yeah i saw it yeah i saw it and it's something that just it just it just made me stop and okay i'm going to try the brie i'm going to try this and it's just something that just stop you know just stop, mm-hmm. just stop you know which is it's exactly. almost like paradoxical to say when you're on social media everything is going up and down yeah. everything's next real next real, next real. do i like it do i like it is this giving me dopamine no it's not next 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 everything is looking for that fix of dopamine but it was something that just made me stop you know and it's just cool. it breathe and it's something that it was it was very it was really so cathartic it's cool i'm so glad i will totally send you
1: another video i two videos actually they're like meditation breathing techniques that I've like recorded for my clients so that way they can practice doing it with me but not awesome. actually with, with me. So I'll send them to you because awesome. I'm similar to what I
0: posted. Yeah, I, I feel like in this journey, I'm really spoiled because I have these conversations with, uh, with these great individuals on my podcast and I'm, I'm picking up things from each person. And It's really awesome. It's really awesome and it's just, I'm very privileged to have these conversations and it's really cool and I appreciate you and I appreciate Thanks you. So and I appreciate it. Yeah, I it's something cool. that
1: appreciate this conversation i feel like i've learned also so much just like sharing back and forth and like love 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 hearing your perspective and your incredible insights honestly it's been i try it's been so fulfilling and so fun so thank you i feel like i definitely am so grateful for our conversation
0: i appreciate it appreciate it and uh we'll leave it there we're past we're past the hour and uh, we'll sign off yeah, yeah, we are. <laughs> Look,
2: at <that. laughs> Look at that!
0: No, but I appreciate you. and thank you for coming on the Persona Podcast, and I hope it was everything you expected. I mean, I know you had to breathe. You were anxious for it because you didn't want to do it, and all these things kept rescheduling. But you know, it
1: happened. Oh my lord! I know that was so like so funny that that happened. So my bad, also. No,
2: it was my nice fault too. I think we we're telling you
1: yeah we got it done though yeah. we got it done that's all that matters you know coming back <laughs>
0: yeah. we'll leave it there for now right. thank you
1: thank you